Welcome to Rock's Fall, Everyone Dies, Wine and Spirits Edition, the episodes where we get to know each other better and usually where my players whine about how mean I am to them. But this episode, we have a guest. Would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners? My name is Kim, and I host the podcast Bedtime Fairy Fails. So tell me more about Bedtime Fairy Fails. So when we started Bedtime Fairy Fails, I wanted to make a podcast that was about D&D, but it wasn't just informational and it wasn't live play. I wanted to do something different. So what we do is we take listener stories of your in-game crazy fails or blunders or like crazy successes, and we tell them as a fairy tale how it would have happened to your characters in real time in the game. Like there were no people there rolling dice. There were no people there talking. It's just your characters and what happened to them. As a premise, I love it. And I've listened to a few of your episodes and I think they are absolutely delightful. Thank you so much. Glad to give praise where it is deserved. The one problem that I have with your podcast, it can't be helped because Google wants to always correct the name of your podcast to Bedtime Fairy Tales, and it becomes very difficult to actually find your podcast. Yep, that is something we didn't think about when we chose the name. <laughs> For our listeners, it is Bedtime Fairy Fails. The Fairy Fails is one word, so just search that up. And we will also have a link in the show notes and on our website, which is rfadpod.com. <laughs> so go there, listen to this wonderful, delightful, short-form podcast. So how often do you release episodes? We have a new episode out every Friday, currently. That's every week. Mm -hmm. What made you say, I want to do this? So I had started a true crime podcast with a friend of mine, and I really liked doing it. So I like podcasts, obviously, and I really liked D&D. And I wanted to find a way to incorporate D&D into a podcast that I was doing, but I didn't want to do live play. That seemed like a lot of work. It is. <laughs> Props to you guys. I like telling stories. I like being theatrical and adding music and sound effects and voices. And I wanted to find a way to make a D&D podcast that anybody could listen to. You don't have to understand the game. You don't have to understand what their character is. You don't even have to know the spells. You can just listen to the story. And if it's an important detail you need to understand, I'll explain it. If not, it's not going to make that big of a difference and you can still enjoy the story. Some of our listeners have never played D&D. Because we're on the subject of your work, you mentioned that you have another podcast. What's that podcast and when and how does it release and where can that be found? That podcast is a true crime and paranormal or at least weird stuff, conspiracy stuff. It's called True Crimes and Weird Times Podcast. We are all the usual places, Spotify and Apple and all the regular ones you look up. And I host that with a friend of mine named Ashley. And she's amazing. We talk about true crimes that aren't the big cases everyone knows about. I try to find smaller cases that are lesser known to talk about. And Ashley finds conspiracy theories and ghost stories and skinwalkers and stuff like that. And she talks about those. And we talk about some pretty morbid stuff. I, I think I am going to give that a listen. <laughs> so give me an idea of one of the episodes that you did. For true crime? For fairy tales? A little column A, a little column B. <laughs> <laughs> So let's see, I did, for true crime, I found a case that happened actually about 20 minutes up the road from where I live in the 70s of a, a little girl who was murdered. It was a pretty big case. In fact, they covered the interview tactics of that case on the Netflix show Mindhunter. Oh, I like that show. Yeah, the show that 
I guess the main character that it was based off of is actually the guy who interviewed the murderer from this town that's just up the road from us. And it was part of their season finale for season one. But I found out that not many people actually know about the real case, about this little girl that really existed. So that's one of the cases I covered because it was a small town. No one had heard about her. And I just like to find those small cases that every other podcast hasn't done eight times. We don't do Jeffrey Dahmer and and the big ones. We find smaller cases that people don't know that much about that we can just kind of give them a voice. And then for our paranormal stuff, we've done Danny Casolaro, who possibly was murdered by the government. We've talked about skinwalkers. We've talked about the Lollery Mansion from uh, American Horror Story. That was a real person. And we, we talked about her house and what she did there and then how it's haunted and stuff now. So we do stuff like that. That does sound fun. I'm not as much of an aficionado as paranormal stuff, but I'm more on the skeptic end of anything else. Oh, me too. Because I figure if there's ghosts and stuff, why would they want to hang around one place all the time? It just seems so boring. <laughs> right? <laughs> when Ashley does her paranormal section, there's a lot of me on my end going, yeah, but that could have just been a leaky faucet. Or exposed wiring. You know, people get all weird when they're around EMF. I mean. Yeah, it's mostly me trying to talk Ashley out of her paranormal beliefs in that segment. <laughs> So, because our Wine and Spirits episodes have become about controversy since our last uh, Wine and Spirits, and also because our social media manager, DeSombra, always asks this question, is Chicago-style pizza pizza? I think that all pizza should be pizza. I'm a big pizza fan. I don't care what kind it is. If there's cheese on it, then I'm happy. <laughs> Favorite toppings? Hmm. That one's a little tougher. I'm going to have to say mushrooms 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 and pepperoni probably i will be sure not to let bambi know about the mushroom thing <laughs> did i say mushrooms i meant bacon <laughs> okay there we go not that that's better <laughs> bacon is a vegetable right i think so pretty sure bacon's a vegetable Tell me about, you, you wanted to include D&D &D in a podcast, and that was the impetus for Bedtime Fairy Tales, if I'm understanding you correctly on that one. What's your history with tabletop gaming in general? We actually started playing board games probably eight years ago, my husband and I. What games? Oh, all of them. All, I mean. <laughs> there's thousands of them. We probably have about 70 board games in our collection. Wow. Everything from Red Dragon Inn Ticket to Ride, obviously. We have Resistance, Castle Panic. If you can think of it, we've probably played it or heard of it. Do you have Betrayal at House on the Hill? That's actually one of the few that I don't own, but I absolutely love that game. Yeah, that was a fun time. We also have a couple of party games like uh, Joking Hazard and Trial by Trolley and things that are not super safe for work kind of a thing. Oh yeah, we have plenty of those as well. We also have Lords of Waterdeep. Do you have that one? I don't, but that's another one I've heard of. I don't know. I see. I can't remember if I've played it or not, but I do know the name. It actually feels really good to play. It's a long game, but it actually manages to keep your attention and your interest is maintained pretty stably throughout the game. It's a good game to pick up. I'll look out for it. We also have Sheer Panic, which is more of like a kid's game. It's a kid's game, but the rules are slightly more complicated than these big, massive board games. But it's a cute game. It's got these cute little figurines. Oh, hey, one of my favorite board games is 
and I, for the life of me, can't remember the name of it. We don't own it, but I used to play it with some friends a lot. It was about the three little pigs, and you have to build your own house out of straw and brick and sticks and stuff. So, yeah, I love kid games and stuff. I know this is really more of the purview of what your podcast is about, but why don't you tell me one of your stories from tabletop gaming? I haven't been playing that long, honestly. About two and a half years ago, about two years ago, something like that. We started a game with some friends of mine who were like, hey, you guys want to play D&D? And I was like, I don't know. I'm pretty nerdy, but I don't know if I'm that nerdy. <laughs> and I loved it. And it was so much fun. And we have the most ridiculous players in our campaign. It is not a serious campaign by any means, but it is still going two years later. And we have had some crazy stuff. We tell a few of them on Fairy Fails. One of the ones I haven't told is... Recently, we went up against some some bad guys, and we're waiting down at the bottom of the stairs, my party, and we hear some voices from the top, and we hear one of them say Salazar, like the name Salazar. Well, me being a sneaky, terrible rogue who always gets people in trouble, I immediately said, did he say salad bar? And my husband just ran with it and was like, yeah, he definitely said salad bar. There's a salad bar up there. And our DM, being just absolutely amazing, was like, Heck yeah, there's a salad bar up there. <laughs> so Salazar became a salad elemental that we had to fight. That's pretty great, actually. And yeah, we defeated him by one of our clerics is a valley girl, and the other cleric is a giant man-sized chicken who lays spell grenade eggs. They ate the salad elemental until we could stab it in its heart a choke. <laughs> yeah. That is... Clever. I really like that. That's just a regular session for us. We do stupid stuff in D&D. There's no such thing as stupid stuff. <laughs> um, so stories like that in our campaign is what made me go, everybody's got to have at least one story like this, right? Yeah, we've got a few. With the exception of DeSombra, who this is her first proper campaign, we all have D&D stories. So yeah, everybody's got at least one. I'm going to switch gears real quick. We are a podcast of teachers and students. So I'm going to ask you a little bit more about your schooling. What was your favorite subject in school? And keep in mind, there is a right answer because of what I teach. <laughs> I would have to say, mm, nope, it was definitely going to be my science classes. Yes. Victory for me. <laughs> <laughs> I had some really amazing science teachers in high school and they just made it so much fun and I loved science. Tell me about your best interaction with a teacher. Hmm. It doesn't even have to be in school. You might have just run into him in the grocery store. That's fine by me. I actually, it wasn't part of class. I was in high school and I do this really fun thing where I take on too many projects and I've done it my entire life and then I get overwhelmed. Uh, and no, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. I've never, <laughs> ever done that. Uh, uh, Nobody does. No, no, that's not a thing. So I had, you know, joined all these after school groups and I was taking all my AP classes and my honors classes and I had all this homework. I just had that one thing go wrong in the cafeteria that day. I think maybe they were out of forks, you know, something really small. And I just broke down in tears in the middle of the cafeteria in high school and my teacher at the time, I think she was my science teacher, but I really can't remember at this point, but her name was Miss Holt and she saw me crying and she came and got me and she's like, let's go eat lunch in my classroom. And she just took me back to her classroom and she let me eat lunch in there and I told her what was going on and she was just so kind and just so understanding and she just kind of talked me through it like, hey, happens to everybody, just one thing can go wrong 
and she just made my whole day better. And that probably stands out to me better than anything else I ever did with any other teacher. That's a really sweet story. Um, yeah, science teachers for the win. I'll take that win. Um, so what did, what did you study in, uh, you, you were obviously in a whole bunch of AP classes and stuff, but like moving on to college, um, what did you study? What was your major? I've had three. My first major was music education. I was going to be a chorus teacher and I went to a very well-known music school in Georgia, paid a lot of money to go there. And I did the whole first year and towards the end of your first year as education major, as I'm sure you know, you have to do some observation classes in schools. And I did my observation days, my elementary, my middle and my high school all back to back three days in a row. And at the end of those three days, I said, oh, wait a minute, I don't like kids. That's a deal breaker, isn't it? <laughs> it was. The The next day after my observation was over, I went back to college and I dropped all the classes I didn't need. I like withdrew and I'm like, changing my major, I cannot be a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is a noble profession, but it is not for everyone. Yes. I discovered I actually really liked music, not the kids part. Right. Yeah. Teaching is a fantastic profession if it weren't for all the kids. Right. Yeah. And the parents oh, and yes. the administration and the other teachers and the schedule. Yep. I don't want to turn this into a complaining podcast. Never mind. I take it all back. <laughs> Teaching is a wonderful profession. Every part of it is great. So I just totally switched directions and decided I was going to be a hairdresser instead. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I know. Totally out of left field. I mean, do you at least enjoy what you do now? Yes, I love doing hair. I've been doing hair for 10 years now, and I got my diploma. That's as high as you can go at it, and you do continuing education. And I, I've been doing it for 10 years, and I love it. It's so much fun, and I get to be creative and artistic. I did go back to school one more time for phlebotomy, which is oh, blood drawing. Drawing blood, yes. Mm -hmm. I actually ran a whole bunch of blood drives at one of my schools for many, many years. And with the exception of one school, which was our nemesis, we would have had the most blood every time. Always in second, never in first. Aww. I, I shake my fist in the air at unnamed school. <laughs> uh, it's very good. I mean, every pint of blood that you donate is going to help three to four people, depending on mm -hmm. what it's broken down into. Four people, if you've got the right blood type, that you can be a universal donor. If you're a universal plasma donor, then, oh boy, they really try and work at you with the plasma donation. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But it's absolutely a wonderful thing to do. And it is one of those things that is always in demand. You can never have enough blood and you can never build a stockpile mm -hmm. because as much as you can give, it's going to get used. Me and my husband actually still will go donate blood every time they come around to like the local churches and stuff here. That is a good thing. And I applaud you for it. Continue donating that delicious blood. I mean, wonderful blood. <laughs> Oh, hey, this is your friendly neighborhood surly turtle, Greg. And your social media manager, DeSombro. Just cutting in for a quick shameless self-promotion to tell you to like, share, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. To take part in polls or ask questions that you'd like us to answer in future Wine and Spirits episodes, or just to enjoy some spicy memes. To find all our handles in one convenient place, you can visit us on our website at rfedpod.com. 
If you like our show, sharing the show with your friends or leaving a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice will really help us grow and reach more people. And if you have a project or a business you'd like to promote on the show, reach out to us at rfedpod at gmail.com. One of the reasons that I brought you on this show is because I want to submit a story for your podcast. Right, yes. Tell me about your process. How do you make an episode? Getting stories was actually our biggest struggle for a long time, and we still do struggle with it some because we do two stories per episode and we're releasing an episode every week. But what we do is we have someone kind of give us the general overview of what happened, what was funny about it. And then I will go back and ask a few detailed questions like, okay, now can you let me know who all was in your party, what their names were, if you remember, so that I can add more details. Or I'll say, why were you here in this cave? Where were you going when you were doing this? Or how did you run across this bad guy? Because I wanted to make it as accurate to their story as possible. And I take what they gave me and I just expand on it a little. If they say they were in a cave, then I'll describe the cave for them. Stuff like that. And I just make it a little more fairy tale-ish. Fairy tale-ish certainly does have a very specific sound to it, huh? Mm-hmm. All right. So how do we start? What, what do you want? What, what should I do first? You do not have to write the story for us. I try to tell people that. I don't want people to think that they have to write out the story and I'm just going to read it for them. I write most of the dialogue. Occasionally people will give me some dialogue that happened in their story, but most of it I just make up for flavor. Mm. And I will add the details. I will add in the little flashbacks and what they're doing and how they move when they do it and just try to bring it to life the way I see it in my head. So all you have to do is tell me what happened. The more you use your own words, the more I can make it feel more authentic to you. Because if you describe one of the players as being super clumsy and always falling down, then I'm going to put in a part about, well, they fell down on the way over here. You know, stuff like that. The more you can give me, the more I can make that story reflect exactly how it happened in the game. Okay. So why don't I tell you about the story from October? The story that we started this podcast with. Let's use that one. Because... I'm a little bit biased, but I think it's a really good story. Um, <laughs> our party members are Lieutenant Bengt Marceau, a Osimar warlock with the Hexblade patron. We have Greg, a turtle bard who plays the automaton and in more recent episodes uses his farts to cast spells. So there's that. I'm really liking where this is going. Yes, yes. <laughs> Fardomancy or Fardoturgy. <laughs> Excellent. We have Sanjana, who is a slightly variant tiefling arcane trickster rogue. Essentially a con artist type of rogue rather than a pickpocket type of rogue. Although both can happen. And then we have Bambi, who is a Kalashtar druid. But we call her human-ish. Mm -hmm. And of course I was DMing. Oh, I forgot to mention, Lieutenant Banked Marceau had two underlings. Brett and Chet, who were Brobarians, the broiest of Brobarians. <laughs> we had our own Brobarian in our campaign. We actually killed him along with Salad Bar. Fantastic. 
So Brett and Chet, the broiest of Brobarians, were essentially Lieutenant Bank Marceau's arm candy. <laughs> they were from the fraternity of Rho, Omicron, Omicron, Rho. For anybody who <laughs> speaks Greek out there, that's a very funny joke. Not at all juvenile and silly. It's beautiful. So the party is all meeting up in Bohm's Landing, a fictional town of my own homebrew setting. Each of them, in their own way, disparately, was brought together to do a job for a bank, the Our Holy Matron of Commerce Bank of Bohm's Landing, PLC, <laughs> to accept a job in the Platinum Mercenary Program, TM, which is a high-risk, high-reward program with large payouts for extremely dangerous work. Standard fare, kinda. And the job on offer for a payout of 12,000 gold split amongst all the members present to go to a keep recently purchased by a foreign investor located about three hours outside of town in a dark forest. Which, by the way, this should have thrown up so many red flags. <laughs> but anyway, the job itself was to clear out a recently excavated opening into a tunnel system beneath the keep. Okay. Clear it of monsters, make sure that it's safe for the workers to get in there and expand everything out and make wine cellars and whatever to increase property value because square footage is king. Absolutely. So they arrive at the keep. I'm going to sort of yada yada some of the mean things that they did to my NPCs. Poor Robert. <laughs> the things they did to Robert. <sighs> Poor Robert. <laughs> would you like to know what they did to Robert? I absolutely would at this point. Essentially, Robert, he's just a bank representative. And he doesn't really know much of anything. And they're in there and they're asking him questions. He's like, I wasn't one of the ones who went down into the hole. I didn't see anything. So Greg the Bard uses detect thoughts to sort of read his mind and see the injuries that happened to the workers that came out of there. And Banked is threatening him and using really high intimidation checks to browbeat him into giving more information that he just does not have to give them. And he dissolves into a puddle of tears and Bank drops him on the ground and says, you're dead to me, Robert. Oh. No. <laughs> so, yes, they were badgering my NPCs. <laughs> See, I DM occasionally, and when I do, I always prepare like a certain amount of information this NPC is going to have, and it never fails. My players are like, but we need more. Let's torture him. And I'm like, no, he doesn't know anything else. Please stop. <laughs> <laughs> Please stop hurting my NPCs. Robert has a family. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they made Robert cry. They made Lisa cry. All of my petty bank functionaries that were there just to basically say, here's the hole, go on in. And that was all they were there to do. They badgered them and they intimidated <laughs> them and they pushed them around. You monsters. <laughs> the adventure hadn't even begun. Setting the tone early. Yes. So they finally go into the caves and they go into this labyrinth type area. And Brett and Chet get lost immediately. They, they didn't use the buddy system. They didn't hold hands. And so, of course, the barbarians wandered off. And they're going through these tunnels. Eventually, they come to a larger opening and this guano pit. Oh. And, of course, they make enough noise that it wakes the swarm of bats that descend upon them. And the druid decides that, you know what I'm going to do? Instead of using an action to cast spells or make an attack against this swarm, I'm going to scream really, really loud to blind them with their echolocation. Okay. It's not a bad plan. Of course, they absolutely bomb their intimidation check. And the powerful primal scream that they wanted to do just came out sort of as a... Uh. <laughs> the bats all descend upon Greg. The turtle bard goes into his shell as the bats are trying to eat at the shell. And Sanjana uses burning hands to blast a cone of flame to essentially cook all of the bats and Greg. 
Oh, no. And that's the end of episode two. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, they are victorious against the bats and they continue deeper into the tunnels, eventually finding, I can't remember whether it was Brett or Chet at this point. I could go back and listen to the episode. It would probably be way funnier if I say Brett and or Chet. Brett and or Chet would be funnier. Yes. Yeah. They're pretty interchangeable. One is blonde and one is brunette. That's all I remember. And it doesn't really matter now with the most recent episodes. Everybody who listens to our podcast regularly will know what happened to Brett and Chet. (laughs) Brett and or Chet is hacking away with their battle axe at the wall in confusion. And as soon as they snap him out of it, where's Brett and or Chet? (laughs) Bro! And he goes running off into the darkness. Now, Brett and Chet are humans. They do not have dark vision. Oh, dude, it got dark real fast. Eventually, they do find the other Brobarian. They find him in an area of the tunnel with holes all over the ceiling and the walls and underneath, wide enough for, say, a full-sized person to whack-a-mole pop up out of. And that initiates a fight with an Umber Hulk. I don't know what that is. An Umber Hulk is a CR5 monster, which looks kind of like an antlion and the Incredible Hulk had a baby. Okay. Its special ability is that it has hypnotic eyes that cast essentially confusion as a gaze attack, which is a free action at the beginning of their turn every turn. And everybody within 30 feet who can see the eyes has to make a wisdom saving throw or roll a D8 and decide whether or not they use their action, lose their action, or use their action to do something else. Combat begins, and there's lots of damage being dealt on both sides. The other Brobarian had their head ripped off. Oh, God. I'm pretty sure it was Brett that got their head chewed off, Mantis style. (laughs) More fighting, more confusion, and Bambi the Druid casts Entangling Vines and manages to entangle the Umber Hulk through a series of bad rolls for the Umber Hulk. It stays entangled for quite a while, keeping it rooted in place, allowing the party to wail on this Umber Hulk, imparting disadvantage to the Umber Hulk on return attacks and keeping it from getting away until eventually it breaks free when it's at low enough HP that it's got to run to survive. And it's going to dig straight through solid rock into a new, freshly constructed tunnel. And everyone goes running into the tunnel after this Umber Hulk. Bambi casts Entangling Vines again, and the vines are growing out of the ceiling. Doesn't catch the Umber Hulk, but instead catches Banked and the remaining Brobarian. So the Umber Hulk is free, but the other two are entangled. Does it matter that Bambi had shapeshifted into a two-headed death dog at this point? That could be a relevant plot point. <laughs> okay. So after the Entangle spell failed, Bambi decided to use their wild shape ability to turn into a death dog, which is a dog with two heads and two bite attacks going after the Umber Hulk. And Sanjana runs down the cave. The Umber Hulk takes a 90 degree turn and digs straight up. Sanjana jumps, does a split in the air, plants their feet on both sides of the cavern wall, strikes upward with their dagger, cracking through the Umber Hulk's carapace and doing a final blow, killing the Umber Hulk immediately. Sanjana ducks down, dives out of the way, and dive tackles the death dog version of Bambi, taking her to the ground as the Umber Hulk slams into the ground behind them. And as they're exulting and reveling in their victory, the vines continue to grow, causing large cracks to form in the ceiling of the cavern. Rocks fall, everyone dies, and I began the next episode with everyone as undead. That's awesome. And that's really perfect for fairy fails. I especially love the bat scream fail. When I listened to some of your episodes, the bat scream fail probably would have been an episode unto itself. So yeah, we can totally add it in there. We'll just do a little less, you know, a little less time for bat scream, a little more time for everybody dying. 
So let me write like all of that down for you. Yeah, absolutely. If you want me to sample stuff from the original episode, just let me know. Okay. Actually, we've done a few stories from other live play podcasts. And what we usually do is I'll let each of my voice actors listen to a clip of whatever character they'll be playing so that they can get their mannerisms correct, stuff like that. So any kind of typical things this player would do or say that you could send us to check into, that would help. All right. So for Greg, just channel your oldest, crotchetiest, angriest Italian man. Oh, we've got that. I can make that happen. Oh, hey. How you doing? <laughs> for Banked Marceau, just channel your inner prep school kid. Okay. For Bambi, just the sweetest Southern Belle. I've got one of those. <laughs> we are in Georgia. Please forgive her accent. We are from Florida, not Georgia. We're neighbors, <laughs> kind of. Florida's not really the South. Florida is so far South, it's North again. Yeah. <laughs> and Sanjana, imagine New Yorker. We've got those too. Well, I say we're good at those. We think we're good at them. <laughs> in real life, though. That pretty much sums us up as well. Yeah. <laughs> I refuse to try and do a transatlantic accent because I will only end up insulting people. <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't even try accents. That's why I'm the host and I have voice actors because I can't. I just can't do them. So thank you for listening to my story and thank you for joining me. How can our listeners find you and your work? We are in all your typical listening platforms. We're on Pandora, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher. We have a website that's still fairly new and small. It's a work in progress, but it's bedtimefairyfails.com. We're on Instagram at bedtimefairyfails and Facebook at bedtimefairyfails. I technically have a Twitter, but I don't like Twitter, but it's there. <laughs> Is Twitter also at bedtimefairyfails? Twitter is going to be BT Fairy Fails. Had to be a shorter name. All right. So all of our listeners, if you go to any of those locations and interact, the mighty algorithm will smile upon thee. <laughs> go forth. Call to action. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with me. Any parting words? Thanks for having us. It's been a lot of fun. And we're I'm excited to do your story, especially the bat scream. That's really the part that spoke to me. <laughs> If you want to just do the bat scream, it's entirely up to you. I give you full creative license. <laughs> okay, we'll get it all typed out. I think I can fit everything. Whatever fits your format the best. But yeah, and anybody who listens who wants to send in stories, we take them from all tabletop RPGs. We've done Pathfinder. We've done The Deadlands. We've done Monster of the Week. It doesn't have to be D&D. &D. Ooh, I've wanted to play Monster of the Week for a while. Sorry, that's just me being excited about a thing. <laughs> <Don't>. <laughs> So where can they submit those stories then? You can either message me on social media or you can visit our website. We have a whole submit a fail page that's got some tips about what we look for in a story. It's because, you know, you don't have to write the story. We'll write the story. We just need what happened. All right. Well, in that case, bye, everyone. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you for listening to Rocks Fall, Everyone Dies. It would really help us if you subscribe, share, and leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Our theme music is by Taylor Calise, additional sound effects courtesy of zapsplat.com, and our thumbnail art is by John Bliss. Find more of his work on Twitter at John Bliss Art. Our episodes are produced by me and co-edited by our resident mushroom Jin, who streams on twitch.tv slash phantomquip. Our social media manager is our favorite surly turtle, Sambra, 
You can find all of our social media handles and full show notes on our website, rfedpod.com. Thank you.